0: On today's show, I'm going to discuss the Gender Recognition Bill from Scotland and the implications that the court ruling has for devolution. And I will talk further on devolution as well. And I'll also talk about London and the upcoming mayoral election there, as well as voting systems, which you will see soon how that is linked to London all right then let's start off with the gender recognition bill in scotland so about just just over a year ago or maybe a year and a half ago um no under a year gosh it's been a long year um Back at the beginning of 2023, before Nicola Sturgeon had resigned, um, we the Sc- Scottish Parliament passed a bill to reform the way transgender people could get a gender recognition certificate from the government. Um, and this was quite controversial at the time because it pushed for a greater level of self-identification for trans people there was it was a long debate about the bill It it did not go through very quickly it took a long long time to pass but when it did um, the, the beginning of our story let's introduces when it did pass, it was 86 to 39 votes with four absent. Of the 86 that voted for it, 54 SNP SM, MSPs, three Conservative MSPs, 18 Labour MSPs, all seven Green MSPs and all four Lib Dem MSPs. Of those that voted against it, there were nine SNP MSPs, which rebelled against the SNP Whip, 28 Conservative MSPs, and two Labour MSPs. So what we're getting here, there was both cross-party support for the bill, every party in there had representatives in the Scottish Assembly, or Scottish Parliament it's called, um, every party in the Scottish Parliament had representatives that voted for the bill, but there were also SP, Conservatives, and Labour had all, all had members who voted against it. So it you can see it was quite a divisive issue, but the point I'm trying to make is it had broad support. Um from the Scottish Parliament which is important for the next bit um that I'm gonna say which is hang on I don't need to check this. Where did Nicholas Sturgeon, yeah Nicholas Surgeon resigned 15th of February 2023. I know these things it's fine. Um, the point I'm trying to make is There was large support. And then using the Devolution, Scottish Devolution Act, Scotland Act, I believe it's called, um, the, I believe it was the Home Secretary. Yeah. But the British government vetoed the bill. Not Parliament, the government. I really should do an episode all about secondary legislation and ministers powers and all of that statutory legislation really really should uh, It's it's very annoying thing um but this bill had loads of support and the british government vetoed it on the grounds that it contravened equalities legislation and basically what that means is oh we were compelled to veto it because it would have broken the law the hole in that argument is they weren't compelled because the courts didn't tell them to, because there was no court case to veto the bill. Um, forward to this week, the a Scottish court ruled that the British government was allowed to block the bill, which was not really a surprise because it kind of was it's it's, it's very it's hard okay um legally speaking yes the british government could block that bill however the reasons that they chose to block it were ideologically driven in my view and i think in most people's eyes it's quite obvious that it was ideologically driven because Let's not forget, so the the progressive majority passed this bill. Yeah, we have a conservative government um, filled with a ton of social conservatives. One of them being the prime minister, Richie Sunak, who um, quite clearly is a social conservative, at least at the time that he was vetoed. It was very obvious. I don't know what we're doing with David Cameron back, but, you know, um, that's for another day. But even he might not be a completely social liberal, as many people think. But moving past that, I think it's rather... So with that context, you can see why the Scottish government then filed the lawsuit against the government saying it's not legal. Because, like, why are they blocking it? Um, They blocked it under the Equalities Act, saying it contravened... The the government said the gender recognition bill contravened the Equalities Act because of something to do with women's rights and women's spaces. This is a very contentious issue, understandably. There have been a lot of high-profile cases around certain prisoners, which I will not go into. Um, but let's just say the way those cases are presented in the media on all sides, Guardian, Daily Mail, Telegraph, Economist, they rather fail to, um, to uh, pick out certain things. And I think it, it, when you, um, Ed Davy made a very good point in an interview, can't remember where I heard this. He made a good interview. One of these cases um, should not have happened legally speaking, regardless of the bill or not. Um, and it's it's a rather, there's a lot more under the surface, but we'll, we'll not go into that. Um, General recognition bill passed, the Scottish Government. Pushed it forward for Rolleston and British government blocked it. Didn't even go to Parliament, um, which is rather odd for the veto. I, I I think they shouldn't have blocked it personally because the bill was had been debated thoroughly and had been amended to make it better legislation it had cross party support It was overwhelmingly passed and i think it would be it would have been a better course of action to wait for a to prove in a court of law before blocking it that the bill itself contravened equalities legislation i don't believe that's what's happened in the. well it's hard to say i haven't quite read the ruling myself i'm not a lawyer um but i think at least the government should have waited for it to be ruled that the bill contravened the equalities act rather than doing it first and vetoing it um because the bill obviously had such wide support within the scottish parliament But here we are. That's what's happened. For the wider context of devolution, which I'm rather in favour of, being a liberal, you want local government, greater control, greater power, bring democracy closer to the people, decentralise everything. Um, Maybe I should do an episode about devolution as well. Anyway, um, I think this is the first time the british government's ever vetoed a piece of legislation from a devolved parliament which which means it's like precedent setting um i think okay so the british government were in their rights to veto the legislation it's not attack it's not an attack on democracy i don't believe but i do think it was the wrong course of action and i'm not happy with it but like on a legal basis on a democratic basis it's not an attack because like the courts have said it was probably fine but i do I do find it questionable that they vetoed it. it is quite obviously ideologically driven because they could have not. A Labour government would have probably not vetoed it. Um, that's not a hard-to-believe statement. It's probably true. And that shows you that it's probably ideologically driven, that you subconsciously know that at least, or consciously do. Um, so for the wider... Concept of devolution. I think it shows that the that the devolved parliaments, devolved governments, may be forced to stay in line, to stay in line with the broader British government, which is dictated by England. Um, weirdly enough, uh, and that that's where I think the argument that it is an attack on democracy does come in, because well now you're saying these devolved parliaments are subservient to the british government and they always kind of were but they did have their own like areas policy areas that carved out for them that they could legislate on the british government and intervene would not intervene um and there is the case that the british government has overstepped on this mark I don't know how I feel about that being or not being the case. I don't know. I do think that it's a rather unclear. It's not very clearly cut, this, the whole legal issue around it. I think that there should be. To a point, greater freedom for the Scottish government to be able to enact this legislation. It's widely expected that this court case, they will appeal it, and it'll end up at the Supreme Court. Um, I, widely, I completely, entirely expect the Supreme Court to rule that it was totally fine for the government to veto it, because it, it kind of was. I mean, the best case scenario like realistically speaking is that this court's ruled that parliament has to give consent for the legislation the british parliament um but i don't think that will happen because secondary legislation and all of that nonsense which i'll do an episode on i promise um i think it Ultimately, this bill is doomed, unfortunately, because as many people see it, the Scottish government went too far out of line with the Conservative British government. The British government would no longer tolerate it, Um, which is quite ridiculous, really. Um, But that's what we got. Perhaps. I don't know. I think we should give the devolved governments more powers and they shouldn't be so easily blocked by the British government. I'm entirely in favour of a federal Britain um, modelled not on the US as much. I don't like the US model of federalism. I think the like, your federal government... Should have more power than the states, whereas in the U.S., the states generally have more power than the federal government. Ultimately, ultimately, I think your federal government should be allowed to legislate as it chooses, but politically speaking, it can't do that a lot, which is how, which is what, but also not be allowed to veto legislation. Because that's at the hands of the local government on certain issues so forth. Um, I think that rounds up devolution. Okay, moving slightly on from devolution. Um, let's go to London. I'll try and not make this a London-centric podcast. Um, I think we've done well we've talked about Scotland today and we're now going to do london but you know who knows who knows what will happen uh, next week I imagine we're just going to be talking about Westminster most of the time Because we're talking about influential politics and where most that's where most of it happens Ior- as well ironically sadly yeah sadly um but in london uh back in in 2022 before the 2023 local elections so in that period um i believe who was it who could it have been i don't know the government changed the law on the electoral system used in the mayoral election in london because london has its own like devolved government sort of thing with a mayor and a um like london council city council elected on ams um what what went on is that the government changed it from sv supplementary vote which you get a first preference and a second preference vote changed it to first past post um i can't imagine why maybe it's because it makes it easier for them to win i don't know yeah maybe you know possibilities here, just thinking, um, because your Labour mayors, Labour mayor, very, they've, they've had them before. Boris Johnson, didn't they? Yeah. Anyway, Sadiq Khan has been elected on SV before twice. He actually beat Tories both times. But the point is that you on the in London you'll get like your three main left wing parties: Labour, Lib Dems, and the Greens. And that splits the left-wing vote. even And London's like majority left-wing, let's say. It splits the left-wing vote. So the Tories think that they can come through the middle and like your first preference, you're in in first-past-post, they'd win outright. Um, not outright, they'd win a plurality of the vote and just win it. Um, it basically lowers the bar for the Tories. Under SV, they need 50% plus one. Under, under first-past-the-post, they need... Whatever Labour gets, plus one. In effect. Um, it makes it easier for them to win. It makes it harder for Labour to win. Because Labour has to now actually consolidate the left, rather than just everyone voting for who they want first time round and then second preference, they can vote for Labour, for the left-wing votes. Um, which makes it slightly more competitive. The polls last time I saw were not... Close. It looked like um, looked like Sadiq Khan was leading quite comfortably in the mayoral elections, but there was a news article recently um, about this and how he needs to educate Londoners or wanted to, and he's worried about the changes because in a survey that his office conducted or the Labour Party, I'm not sure, third only. Only thirty percent of respondents knew about the change. It's not too surprising, given turnout in the mayoral election is not hugely high. That's not that thirty percent is not much lower than your expected turnout. So maybe those people are the ones who's going to vote. Maybe it's not an issue. But um, uh, uh, yeah. London mayoral elections. So the the point is, most people didn't know the vote. The change had taken place. You ask people around, just generally, few people have a clue, because the government just did very quietly. Um, Let's see, what are the polls here? Yes, I know, it's unprofessional. Yeah, okay. Um, Yeah, polls haven't really changed. So... back when what back in September interesting interesting okay so back in September of this year um well back in June September of this year they were running polls um and you ha- saw Sadiq Khan leading by between one and 12 points He won the first round by four points. Then the gap widened significantly and he is now leading. He's around, he's polling around 50% of the vote. We're going to go like 40, 47% ish. It's where the polls are putting him. This is partly down to the fact that Lib Dem vote has been suppressed significantly. But also the um, Tory candidate, I, be, I believe it's Susan Hall. Yes. Uh, she's had a lot of controversy, controversies uh, in that period. Um, so this change happens on in October. So between 21st of September and the 12th of October, uh, she falls from 36% to 25 which is quite interesting. Reform also goes down by five points. They go from nine to four. They haven't recovered yet in polls. Um, this is quite interesting. It shows It shows that um, that I think, I, well, OK, so this article, it shows that, like, Sadiq Khan's doing pretty well. And he's probably consolidating the left-wing vote quote, well, and he probably doesn't have much to worry about. So I'm not really sure where this article came from. But it gave me an excuse to talk about London and the change in the electoral system also the fact that um has voted admittedly on a very low turnout in a referendum for this sv system the supplementary vote your two preference vote system and the Tories just by the snap of their fingers have changed that system not even consulting parliament i don't believe um if If I remember correctly, I don't believe it was passed in parliamentary legislation. It could have been done with the local Elections Act that introduced or the Elections Act that introduced um, photo ID. I don't remember. Um, But that's the thing. That's the thing for you. Um, Yeah, I'm not happy with it because they voted for the system in a referendum. And then the Tories have gone rid of it, which is a bit outrageous. They don't really have a right to, but because it, like they've overturned the public will, admittedly on a small turnout, I know. Um, like it's effectively like eighteen percent of Londoners voted for the proposal for a London assembly and all of that. Um, in effect. The actual numbers are like fifty six percent of voters, but there's only one like a 30% ish turnout. But there you go. Like, okay. So they've overturned the referendum result, which is rather interesting. Um and I think the lack of people knowing about this is rather telling. What was the turnout? The no, Turnout was forty two percent last time round. Which is quite interesting. Um, it's not particularly good turnout, but there you go. Oof! I like maps that I'm getting here. Ugh, boring. Anyway, um, so things there's that. Oh, hello alarms. Ignore that. It's not there. Never was there. You never heard that. It's fine. Um, so there's that. I think London. I think the change that the, gov- the, gov- the change that the government has made is outrageous, and they shouldn't have done it again. It's for the people of London to decide what electoral system they want. The government said, "Oh, it's too." This was their literal reasoning. It's too complicated and hard for people to understand. I would like to tell you how the system works. SV, and then we'll talk about some others, which are slightly more complicated. Um, SV has two columns. It tells you to put in your first column your first preference vote, and you draw an X like you do in your regular first-past-the-post ballot box or ballot paper. And then there's a second column that's labelled your second preference vote, and then you draw an X in there for your second preference vote. It's not hard at all. But, you know, they just need an excuse, just like how they introduced photo ID I needed the excuse. Oh, there's loads of voter fraud in this country. There's not. There was like one conviction for voter fraud in 2019. For the election. One. And that's a lot. No, we do not need photo ID. It's just a photo suppression tactic. Even Jacob Rees Mogg admitted he said the quiet part out loud at the Natcon conference. Um That was funny. Uh, <laughs> oh BBC. That bit made me hate the BBC. The whole entire, entire thing about the photo ID thing with the BBC and just not really saying it was suppression tactic. That put me on edge and kind of annoyed me, but, you know. There you go. Um, Yeah, this is a, just another way the Tories are trying to break the electoral system to benefit themselves. Because they love doing that. Because they don't like playing fair. The right does not like playing fair see this with the republican party in america which we're not going to talk about because this is not about american politics it's about british politics and not bringing the americans into the room because that's a whole other can of worms um and i'm not nearly as educated about american politics as i am about british politics um my level of education on british politics is also limited but it's uh, significantly less i hope than my brief small amount of knowledge on american politics um the extent of my knowledge of american politics is it's the opposite way around the blue party of the left ones and the right party of the red ones because reasons are, oh and there's a donkey and a an elephant because that makes sense don't know what the elephant was doing donkey kind of makes sense because like that kind of probably ended up in america but i'm not sure what an elephant was doing but you know that's fine anyway that was a tangent voting systems okay so we talked about um supplementary vote um for the one person contest it's also alternative vote basically ranked voting but britain the british media or whatever whoever someone britain liked to make up make up a whole load of names for these electoral systems that already had names but you know so um We gave the alternative vote, that was ranked voting. We had a referendum on it, and we round resoundingly rejected it because it basically would if you had a where if you had it in Westminster elections, it would just make it even less proportional. So we voted it down in a very low turnout. Definitely, no one wants electoral reform. Yeah, because that's a great example of what people want on a low turnout. Yeah. Okay. Anyway. Um. Thanks, David Cameron, for that one. Campaigned against it. Forced the Lib Dems to go for it instead of STV. So uh, let's talk about STV. Actually, no, no, no. Let's talk about AMS, which is what Scotland, London, and Wales are elected on. Wales might change their system to uh, a party list proportional system based on 16 regions i think or it's going to change it to stv don't know yet depends what their parliament passes we'll see um but ams is currently used in scotland and used in no it's used in scotland currently in wales and london is you continue with your first pass post constituency stuff and then to make it slightly more proportional, you get a second vote, um, which allows you to then vote for a party. They'll then take a look at, like, say SNP got 40% of the vote. No, no, no that's a bad example. It, say the Liberal Democrats got 20% of the vote, but only got 2% of the seats in the constituency level. Then using that proportional bit, the additional member bit that's coming from the second votes from the region because they'll be split into different regions, say they got 20% of the vote in that region, but only got 2% of the seats in the region, then they would be given an additional number of seats um, out there as, like, as a pool of extra seats, and they'll be given an additional number of those seats to get them closer to like the 20% of the seats in Parliament. Which is kind of weird, because it creates a two-tier set of like NSPs or whatever, which is weird. But there you go. Um so that happened. That was AMS. It's a bit weird, bit stupid. I don't really like it, because it still keeps the disproportional bit, it's not really that proportional and creates two t- tier MPs, so that like half of them are. Have a load of casework, and the other d- others don't. STV. Let's talk about that because that's better. I'm not going to talk about party list system. Actually, I should. I'll talk. About, okay, we'll talk about party list system very briefly, which they may or may not introduce in Wales. And what we did have for European elections, you take your region, and in this region, they, your everyone gets one vote. Put your cross in a box, and. it's usually a closed list system, so pu- the parties will publish, like, here are our candidates in order. And you say you need 200,000 votes to get a seat. So for the first 200,000 votes we receive, this person's gonna get in. Then the second set of 200,000, this person, and so forth, that's what the party list is like. And then those the seats basically allocated accordingly. If you've got eight seats and your top eight candidates get in, that sort of thing, that's what the party list system is. Uh, it's kind of bad because it gives the party leadership great control over who gets in. It gets, like, at the top of that list. Because ultimately they write it, yeah? Whereas currently it's, like, kind of better. But uh, Keir Starmer's, like, kind of gone a load of his MPs deselected, so... Eh, it's worse in some ways. It's better proportionally. But also just means your like MPs are just like slaves to the party uh which i mean makes politics very boring it's just everything's on party lines basically um STV then we'll finally get there we've got an STV it's called the single transferable vote STV um STV is my favorite one and the liberal democrats favorite one unsurprisingly uh it's the one they would implement if they could instead of first past post and what it does is you get like you get larger constituencies and each constituency will have like say three to six MPs and these MPs will be elected so let's take the election you can rank candidates as many as you want or as few as you want. Each party will say there's three MPs for your constituency. Each party will be running three candidates. You can then rank all the candidates however you wish. So you could do first preference, second preference, and third preference for all the Liberal Democrat candidates. Or you could do first preference Liberal Democrat, second preference Green, third preference Labour, fourth preference Liberal Democrat, fifth preference Liberal Democrat. Like you you get the idea. So you can split your vote and so forth. And then what happens is all the votes are counted, like the number of people who voted. And then you take the number of candidates, you divide it by the number of candidates plus one, so in this case, you divide the number of votes by four. Um, say there's one hundred thousand votes, so your qu- that gives you a droop quota. It's the number of votes that an MP, your a candidate has to receive to win, to get elected, basically. Um, so it's going to be twenty five thousand. Okay. So you've got twenty five thousand votes. Say one of them wins with twenty six thousand votes outright then everyone else all their second preferences are then they've got a thousand extra votes so then these a thousand extra votes are distributed to the second preference second preferences of the people who voted for that person who's just won proportionally which means you could get a fraction of a vote but that's how it works and then if no one wins in the second round then they get rid of the person who's at the bottom and their second preference votes are distributed, they don't need to be done proportionally because this person's just been completely eliminated. So they all just go second preference. So you get whole votes. And eventually you'll get three MPs elected. The droop quota can shrink um, over time because people might not put second and third preference. So it gets recalculated as fewer people as people like their votes become discounted because they haven't put enough preferences. Um, but what it results in ultimately, it is a very proportional outcome, at least for the constituency level at first. Say a third of people voted for a candidate, a third of, or a third of the people voted for a certain party, then a third of the MPs from that area will be for that certain party. Also fosters um more centrist politics because you're appealing to get second, third preference votes from people and so forth, so you don't want to be so confrontational with people. Says that. Um, And then on a wider national scale, it's very proportional, not perfectly, but it's better. But on a local scale, it's it's more important, it's very proportional, it means that people do not generally it means people do not live in safe seats or so to speak because you can choose who you vote for it's not done by parties, they're not going to decide where your vote goes, you choose where your vote goes, you can do as many or as as few preferences as you like and it's very proportional and I like it because of that it's not I wouldn't use it just on its own i'd probably use a party list system for like a senate to replace house of laws or whatever but that's stv quick crash course um the thing is probably the best one because it fosters like more centrist politics and so forth um which is better in like for stability and ensuring that um well keeps the benefit of first part supposed that theoretical benefit that it keeps the extremes out of politics to a certain degree because it forces parties to not be extreme because it's your benefit by being collaborative and by getting people to give you their second third preference votes generally speaking you'll benefit from that um that rounds it up for today uh just the two topics but I felt like doing that um what we can finish off with though are the current polls for the UK parliament um conservatives have recovered as of late since the middle of november they were down on 24% they're now 26% um, We've got Labour still leading with 43%, but it's the lowest they have been for a long time. To give you an idea, before we had Liz Trust, they were sitting on about 41%, 40%, 42%. Admittedly, the Tories were sitting on 34%, 33%, 32% sort of thing. So the Tories are still way off what they used to be at. Um... But Labour's still quite high up there. Liberal Democrats are on 11%. They're getting up there. Um, what does this mean? I think we're in for a slow motion, terrifying hellscape. Where we're going to get a repeat of 2015. Where over the course of a just over a year, um, you'll see the polls narrow. And then the Tories will overtake them. I hope it doesn't happen. I don't think it will happen. But I imagine the polls are going to narrow considerably between now and, like, October. Or whenever the next election is. Like, the polls are going to narrow a lot. Which is mildly terrifying. Because I don't want that to happen. I'd rather we just got rid of the Tories. But, yeah. We'll see. We'll see if they continue to recover in the polls. They have, have, they have been higher. They've been on like 29 back in April. They're on 29%. Um, so we'll see. We'll see what happens. But I wonder... Expect If they were to get ahead in the polls, expect them to call the snap election immediately right then. Because they're not going to wait for it to then disappear, basically. But that's the polls. It's the polling update for you. Labour's on a slide down. It may or may not last, but we'll see. And Lib Dems are still riding their local election high, basically, which is quite good. That's been going on for quite some time. They've been sitting at 11% instead of 9%, which is, you know, it's always good. Um, Labour's still on course for a massive majority, unfortunately, or fortunately, depending the way you look at it. Um, I'd love to see them go in coalition with the Liberal Democrats, but... Probably not this time around. Maybe like maybe in 2029, when we have the next election, they'll be forced to go into coalition with Liberal Democrats. But we'll see how that goes. We'll see. Um. Yeah, that concludes the episode. Thanks for listening to the Liberal in the Room. And I will see you next week on a Friday or a Saturday. See what happens. For a roundup of other important, fun things. To do with liberalism, with liberal view, or just progressive politics in general. I hope this was enjoyable. And uh, bonus episodes coming soon, maybe. We'll see. Thanks for listening. Bye.